0: but I kept the matter in my heart. We're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. And today we're going to talk about how good it is to simply be a doorkeeper in the house of our Lord in the house of our God. And we're going to talk about priorities just a little. There was something that was said in the interview, uh, the show with Preston Silcox about the story of the Avalon church that was planted that he was a big part of, and it got me to thinking about this. I think about this psalm a lot. I love these phrases. There's so many wonderful phrases in the psalms, like, you know, if you sow in tears, you're going to reap in joy. Man, that's amazing. Um, So many times, you're the apple of my eye. If you really want to express to someone how much you care for them and how important they are to you, you're the apple of my eye. Well, here we say, we have the psalmist saying, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Now look, the meme goes around many times, especially during the start of fishing season, about the absolute worst day of fishing is better than the best day of work. I put forth to you, that the absolute best day that you can have as a heathen is not as good as the worst day is not as comforting is not as fulfilling is not as satisfying is not as purposeful as your worst day as a Christian and that's what we're going to talk about today all right what's going on folks I have a potter Robert Lady. good to see you um, Oops, Wayne Vaughn, it jumped. Hold on. Good morning, Scott Beck. Good to see you. And uh, I have a potter. Sorry, the, the comment section jumped. And I, it just it discombobulated me for a moment. Equipping uh, Expositors Ministry, that's John Exum. I'm beginning a community coffee and Bible study at our local coffee shop. The intent is to engage the community and to get a foot in the door to gain studies. John, that, that's a really good way. Listen, um, especially in small towns in the South, in the United States, just about every town that I know of has what is affectionately known as the liar's bench. And there's a hangout somewhere where a lot of the old fogies hang out. Now, I'm, I'm using that term very affectionately, some of the fondest members, members, some of the fondest memories of my life of my youth was hanging out with the old man at the liar's bench and hanging out in the morning before work on the apple farm started with the old man at the local hanging out spot. And, And it happened to be in this little place in, uh, at a gas station in Hornbeak, Tennessee. But my point is this, it would do well for a gospel preacher, I'm not, and I'm not, Jonathan, what you're doing is awesome, but I'm just saying if even if you felt weird doing that, it would behoove anyone who is looking to have a ministry of spreading the gospel to go to those places, and if nothing else, just sit quietly and soak it in and offer support comments that are very positive and, and, and very good. And eventually you will be in, in some assimilated into that group. And you'll be able to bring up your own very, very uh, controversial topics like Jesus Christ and the blood of the new covenant. Anyway, good morning. Angie B from East Texas. Excellent. Equipping. Uh, John says the Amen Corner. Yeah, you could turn it from the Liars' Bench to the Amen Corner. But anyway, that's just that's just some of my thinking. Uh, I'm so thankful for all of you that's here. Uh, I went early today because I've got some stuff I have to do earlier in the afternoon, and I need to. I hate to say it like this, but I need to finish this and get this part of my day done. I was going to say get it out of the way, but I decided against. But anyway, Psalm eighty four. It's a wonderful Psalm. I'm going to read it in its entirety, and um I want to talk about specifically Psalm eighty four ten, about being a doorkeeper in the house in the house of God. All right. First off, well, let me tell you the reason why I was thinking about this. Uh in the in the interview with, with Preston, Preston talked about the congregation that planted the other congregation, in other words, the congregation that sent out workers was the, the, the Margaret street church of Christ. And what happened is they asked for volunteers. Now the people that volunteered to go, and and I don't care. This isn't anything about Margaret street. It could be anywhere street in any town in the world. If you got a hundred people, you got, 20 people that's doing 80% of the work. Okay. So these people at Margaret street that volunteered to go start this other congregation, they're the ones that were doing all the stuff or most of the stuff at Margaret street. So it really helped Margaret street. I'm sure because you had vacuums and people needed to step up and fill those roles. And so Preston and, and Aaron and I were talking about that. And I made the point, I was like, look, if, if you, if you feel like you're in this unknown middle, if you feel like you don't have any purpose at the local congregation where you are, go to the eldership. And in fact, I should have got these links. I wrote articles about this, about this very thing. I cannot believe that I did not think about those. I've written a lot of articles. So I can't believe I've written – yeah, anyway, I need to link these articles. Um, But it's about being useful in the kingdom. So you may have a set of talents, a set of abilities. Um, Go to the eldership. Go to the church leaders and say, hey, I want to do more for the congregation. Here's what I'm able to do. Can we do this? Can I I be of any service? The elders may say, well, your particular set of skills is really not – of." value to us at the moment. But here's what we do need. So be careful that you don't fall into the trap of Naaman and the leper. Remember Naaman and the leper. He goes to the man of God. He thinks that the man of God is going to come out and do something. Oh, hello there, Martin from Kenya. Excellent. You know, we get quite a few people from the continent of Africa, Um, I'm really appreciative of that. And it's rather humbling to think that this little program of ours goes all the way over there. But anyway, so be careful that you don't fall into the trap of Naaman, where behold, he thought that he was way more important than he really was. Uh, He thought the man of God was going to come out and make some big ado and clear him of his skin issue. Instead, the man of God sent a lowly servant and said go dunk seven times in the river jordan well i cannot believe behold i thought the man of god was going to treat me in a way that is commensurate with my station besides which is the abandon the far par rivers of damascus not much better it took the wisdom of a very humble individual to look at that man and say hey listen if the man of God would have told you to do some great thing, wouldn't you have done it? Well, the obvious answer there is yes. You know, if the man of God would have told you to go slay a dragon, if the man of God would have told you to go on this intricate and and dangerous fetch quest, you know, would you not have done it? If the man of God would have told you to climb to climb the highest mountain, I think about, uh, 2018 God of War Ragnarok came out on PS4 and it's, it's one huge one. I don't know. not really a fetch quest, but the MacGuffin of the story, the thing that moves the story along is Kratos has his wife's ashes, he and Atreus, and they have to get the highest mountain, get to the highest mountain in all the realms. Well, about midway through the game, you reach the highest mountain on earth and the smartest man in the world. Mimir says, no, you've messed it up. You have misinterpreted. If, if, if she wants you to spread her ashes on the highest peak in all the realms, you got to go to Jotunheim. And then, then the game really kicks in. But the point there is, um, if, if, If the man of God would have told Naaman to do some great thing because that is desirable, because that has a lot of importance associated with it, Naaman would have done it. So then the the servant, his, his man says, well, how much more so then would you not just go wash and be clean? Folks, that's a profound question. Now, if you go to the church leadership, and I say church leadership, I'm not, trying to be new age, but not every congregation has elders and deacons. And really I shouldn't say deacons because deacons aren't leadership. Deacons are servants, elders are leaders. So if you go to the elders and you say, Hey, or if you go to the the men of the congregation that kind of have their pulse, have their finger on the pulse of what's going on and they're de facto leaders, just because there's not an eldership established, um, you go there. Thank you, Martin. Uh, you go there and you say, hey, look, I have this particular set of skills and I want to help the church. Well, your particular set of skills are of no value to us right now. Like it's great that you're a high level, um, you're a high level, I don't know, well, audio engineer. All right. I want to learn the skill of, of being an audio engineer. So let's say that I learned this skill and I'm a I'm a grade A S tier audio engineer, uh, that, 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 that skill set is of no value to, uh, the Lord's church at this moment <clears throat> at Riverview on the local level. Now, if I say, well, you put me to work, what needs to be done? Be prepared to dip in the dirty Jordan. Well, we need somebody to come in every week and clean the toilets. Are you okay to do that? That's not very highbrow work. That's work that you're not going to get a lot of pats on the back. That's, a not a, that's not work that's going to put you in the spotlight. You're not going to get a whole lot of accolades. What if they say, well, we need somebody to in the summer to come in once a week on Saturday and mow the yard so it looks real nice for a Sunday meeting. Well, you're not going to get a lot of accolades for that. That's not, that's not the work maybe that you think of. So that's, that's kind of the, you know, equivalent to dipping seven times in the Jordan. It's not fancy. It's not necessarily desirable, but it gets the job done and it's needed. It's absolutely needed to do. So, um, (laughs) yeah, Liam Neeson, I have a particular set of skills, um, And that move from that movie taken. So my point is this, are you prepared to be a doorkeeper in the house of God? Or do you want a more important position? The Psalmist attitude was just let me be a doorkeeper. I'd rather be a doorkeeper. I'd rather have the lowliest position. And I'm not saying anything bad that somebody put in the chat about doorkeepers at Walmart. Nope, nope, you didn't. You put in the chat about doorkeeper, greeters, greeters at church. So, uh, greeters at church have a very important job and that's right. They do. But metaphorically and, and, and historically a doorkeeper, and I think this would be the equivalent of a bell hop, like in a building, let's say you have a big building and the manservant that takes your bags, the manservant that opens your door. Well, he's, he's, he's considered lowly. I'd rather be that. I don't have to have a suite in the penthouse. I, I think that's saying the same thing twice. I don't have to live in the penthouse suite. I just want to be a doorkeeper. Are you satisfied with being a doorkeeper? If, at, if your attitude is that you're satisfied with being a doorkeeper, then you will be very, very useful to the Lord's church. Now, let's read Psalm 84. Brandon Wilde, I want to be in his army. Well, be prepared in his army to serve as a doorkeeper or to dig latrines or to muck out latrines. Think about that. You know, there's a lot of of things that have to be done that aren't preeminent. They're not high status, but they need doing. And we should be proud to do them for God. In fact, something just come into my mind. N.B. Hardiman preached a series of lessons in the Ryman Auditorium in Nashville, Tennessee. Those were known as the Tabernacle Sermons. N.B. Hardiman at the time was a young man not as well-known as others' gospel preacher. There were others um, that were much more preeminent, much more well-known, and but it was him who preached. Now, there was another gospel preacher of the day who was very well-known and very famous and renowned in the brotherhood. He led singing, and in an interview, somebody asked him, and I cannot remember his name, but in the interview, somebody asked him, you know, how do you feel basically about playing second fiddle to this young upstart, to which, the, to this man's credit, he replied, listen, the Lord's church is being edified, the kingdom is being expanded here. I don't care if my contribution to it is simply coming in and sweeping up after it's done. I just want to help. I just want to be a part of things. Folks, that needs to be our attitude. All right. Anyway, let's check the uh, head. Just don't be a crypt keeper. Well, you know, the sad thing is in a lot of these churches that have died off, they're like zombies. They're just they they they're not full of vibrant Christians who are alive and doing the lord's work they're a bunch of dead people being taken care of and the church is serving more or less as a spiritual crypt you gotta arise wake up get to work all right psalm 84 i'm gonna read it in its entirety and good comments by the way thank you so much for commenting How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts! My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. Yea, the sparrow hath found an house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, even thine altars. O Lord of hosts, my King and my God! Blessed are they that dwell in the house, and blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will be still praising thee, Selah. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, in whose heart are the ways of them who, passing through the valley of Baca, make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, say la. Behold, O God, our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointed. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will be Will he withhold from them that walk uprightly? O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. What a wonderful and beautiful psalm, and what a wonderful, beautiful sentiment. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of men. How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. The psalmist here begins by expressing deep affection for the dwelling place of God. The term amiable suggests a sense of belovedness or endearment towards the tabernacles or sacred places where God resides. Listen, anywhere God is, is wonderful. You ever heard this endearing affection? We kiss the ground that that he walks on. So precious to us is our God Almighty. So thankful are we for his abundant blessings that we kiss the very ground upon which he treads. My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth in the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. There is an intense yearning of God for God's presence. The psalmist desires so strong that it affects both his soul and his body. He is crying out for the physical and metaphysical things. A relationship with God is not something that can be had to its fullness in the privacy of one's home the relationship with God has to be had in its fullness in the presence of other believers the reason I say that is because of the juxtaposition of the liturgical service worship of the old covenant and the new covenant in Hebrews chapter 9 and Hebrews chapter 10 Hebrews 10:25 10, reads Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. There's a word in there, episunagoge, the the stem of which is ago, and there's two prepositions, epi and soon. Episunago is a verb, episunagoge is a noun. And the term episunagoge used as a noun means the assembling, the, the assemblage, the assembled group of people for the purpose of honoring, glorifying, and worshiping God is an episunagoge. Well, that happened in the Old Covenant. They came, and it was temple worship. You came, you came together. Uh, the priest did all that, what they were going to do. They, your sacrifices came across the altar. So the liturgical service of the Old Covenant, but the liturgical service of the New Covenant All of these sacrifices of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips are offered during the Episunagoge. And we can talk more about that in another podcast. But you cannot keep your behind at home by yourself and have the full experience of God because you have to come to the Episunagoge, the dwelling place of God, coming before his throne you want to experience god's presence now you can say well what if i'm what if i'm traveling or what if i'm by myself is god not with me absolutely god's with you i mean we take this verse out of its context in matthew chapter 18 where two or more gather together in his name that's where i will be also or in the midst of them i'll be or whatever listen that's about something different God will never leave you. God will never forsake you. If you get shipwrecked on a desert island and you're the only human being there, when it comes to the first day of the week when you offer oblation, worship, glory to God, you sing, you meditate on God's word, hopefully you washed up with the Bible, well, you're 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 experiencing the presence of God, but it is different. If you are actively forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, you are deciding not to experience. Folks, we gotta we gotta take we, we gotta get back to this sentiment of the psalmist. Just like we have a longing to eat if we fast for twenty four hours. If we are 24 hours outside of the group of people with whom we normally worship, we need to long for that, the presence of God. Tony, the New King James interprets verse 5 as, "Blesses is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. Can you briefly explain, expand on that pilgrimage? I sure can. Um, Let me get down there to it. Well, what verse am I on now? All right. Yeah, three. Yea, the sparrow hath found a house and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, even thine altars, O Lord, my king and my God. I love this verse right here. This is very interesting. The psalmist observes birds nesting near the altars of God, and it seems that he's envying them for their proximity to the holy place. In other words, they get to live just as very, very close to this holy place as they possibly can. It's a poetic way of expressing a desire to be as close to God as he possibly can. Hello, Tony. Or hello, Tony. I was reading your comment. (laughs) Hi, Tony. Hi, beloved. Hello, sword and pearls. Good to see you. So check this out. It's a wonderful way of expressing a desire to be as close to God as these creatures are to his altars. All right. It also shows that one's purpose is fulfilled in worship of God. Listen to this, uh, revelation. So in the United States of America, I don't know if it's this way in Canada, but in the United States of America, uh, at least when I was growing up, before the advent of of modern cell phones, um, if you needed information, you picked up a landline and you dialed star or pound, I can't remember four one one. And that was information four one one. So colloquially, or I guess not colloquially, but nationally, uh, if you if you wanted to use a slang, You would say, hey, give me the 411 on these people coming over for dinner Saturday. Or, hey, give me the 411 on this new company that's put a business in town. And people knew, well, you're wanting information. So, do you want the 411 on why God created human beings? Revelation 411. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, humanity included, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Brethren, let me tell you something. Your purpose is to glorify God, is to worship God. It's for his good pleasure. Now, how do you fulfill God's good pleasure? I say go to John chapter 4. You know, God is spirit. God desires that true worshipers worship him in spirit and truth, because God is a spirit. Therefore, they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. We fulfill our purpose whenever we live a life commensurate with God's will and we worship him. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty beat up by Saturday. And so when I go to the Episunagoge, to the assembling of ourselves together, to this special ceremonial liturgical service, in which worship is practiced, therefore the most, the easiest thing to call it would be a worship service, although that term has that term has fallen out of favor uh, with many in Christendom. Christendom. I get recharged and reinvigorated. I don't have to wait for a whole year to polish in the pulpit. I, I I get what folks get at polishing the pulpit. I get that every Sunday. And all Christians should. I have no problem with polishing the pulpit, I have problem with how my brethren uh, exalt it. All right. Um, Uh-oh, I've lost my place in my notes. I usually don't do this with notes, but I had so much here I wanted to be organized. Um, Here you go. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house, and they will still be praising thee, Selah. I don't think I finished my point from the first one about these sparrows making their nest and laying their young. These sparrows' whole purpose is to build nests and make babies. They have fulfilled their purpose and they have done it in close proximity to the house of the Lord. Their purpose in life being fulfilled is forever associated with worship to God under the old covenant. What we need to do is make sure that our purpose is being fulfilled and our purpose, according to the 411 revelation, is that we were created for his good pleasure. And one of the things that he wants from us is worship. Brandon Wyatt said, I still say that, talking about 411. And Sword and Pearl says, I love this song. Incidentally, let me let me make a plug here. I did not know that Sword and Pearl had a YouTube channel. And um so yesterday I went and looked at her YouTube channel, and she does she's got enough videos i mean it it almost looks daily i don't know if it's daily or not i didn't pay attention but there are the readings of the psalms uh if 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 you're a man uh just do what your conscience allows but go there she reads the psalms she prays she offers some thoughts very short digestible videos anyway um Scott Beck says I now have a better understanding of that verse. Thank you. Awesome. That is great. So, yeah, the, the 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 sparrow hath found a house, the swallow a nest, where she may lay her young. And it's the altars. So again, our purpose is fulfilled in God. Our purpose is fulfilled in worship. Now, Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will still be praising or they will be still praising thee. Uh, the word order would mess that up. So they will be still praising thee. Those who reside in God's house are considered blessed. They're, they're in constant praise to God. And and don't take that too far. I understand that that praise and worship have a beginning point and an ending point. So, you know without being too gross when I'm in the restroom doing what I do in the restroom, I don't think I'm praising God doing that. But the point is, it's kind of like whenever Paul says, pray without ceasing. I mean, I'm not praying right now. I'm teaching a, or I'm not really teaching a Bible class. I'm, 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 I'm making a podcast. I'm not praying. But the idea is people who dwell in the house of God, the, the greatest defining characteristic of their life is praise and worship. All right. This term, Selah, it's a term used frequently in the Psalms, and I think it it indicates a pause or reflection, and it also indicates the end of a stanza. So like if we were to convert this to our songbooks, this would be the end of the first stanza. Now, Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, in whose heart are the ways of them. This verse shifts the focus on those who find their strength in God and have committed to his ways in their hearts. They also are described as blessed. And I believe this, sorry, I don't have the verse numbers here, but that's that, that seems to be verse 5. Let me, let me check that. I may have to get my trusty rusty e-sword out uh, to answer your question, Scott. Yeah, blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, in whose heart are the ways of them. Let me pull out my New King James, and I'm going to read that. Psalm 84. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage, as they pass through the valley of Baca. Yeah, that's why it says pilgrimage. Pilgrimage is just a, a trip from one place to another. Typically, it carries with it the understanding, the uh, assumption is not the right word, the implication of it's a holy journey, like a journey for a religious experience or something like that. So I'm going to read these two verses. Blesses is the man whose strength is in thee, whose heart are is on a pilgrimage who's passing through the Valley of Baca, make it a well. The rain also filleth the pool. So the Valley of Baca is thought to be a place of weeping or sorrow. Uh, the verse suggests that those who trust in God can transform their places of sorrow into sources of blessing, like turning a dry Valley into a well filled with rain. Let me ask you this, I want, and you're welcome, sword and pearl. Uh, I, I want you to picture this, Scott, or, or everybody. You have somebody in your life. You have somebody in your life that would make the happiest place on earth a miserable place to be, and you have somebody in your life that if you were stuck together in the very bowels of hell, they would make it an enjoyable experience. People who dwell in the house of the Lord are these people. We don't go around as Christians gloom and doom. You've heard me talk about red pill, blue pill, white pill, black pill. If you're, if you're a, if you're a democrat then this is United States politics. If you're a democrat in the United States and you turn into a republican, then you've taken a red pill. If you're a republican in the United States and you turn into a democrat, then you've taken a blue pill. All right, now throw that out the window. If you are very optimistic and you see the good in things and you have hope, you've been white pilled. If you're very pessimistic, if you like the preacher, all is vanity. Why are we even trying? Who cares? This, the, nothing matters anyway. Then you've been blackpilled. Christians should not have a little bit of hope, a fragment of hope. God does not want us to have the scintilla of hope. God wants us to be, according to Romans chapter 8, filled with hope. So much so that it infects other people. And you are on this pilgrimage of life because, you know, this world is not your home. And while you're going along, journeying on your road to eternity, you're going to go through Death Valley in the United States or the Sahara Desert. But every place that you've stopped and you've met an individual, you leave and it's a flowering oasis. Be that person be that person. Good morning, Sue Ross. And that's what these two verses, that, that's that's what the psalmist is getting across. Blessed are they that dwell in the house. They will still, they will be still praising thee. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, whose heart are in the ways of them, who passing through the valley of Baca, make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. Now. Next verse, they go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. This portrays the spiritual journey where the faithful grow stronger in their faith as they make their way to Zion to appear before God. Folks, think about Jesus. But for the joy set before him, he endured the affliction of the cross. This life, and I've said this before, and I don't mean to be nihilistic, if all you ever do is this life is born, live a life of relative comfort, and die peacefully in your sleep, you are the epitome of a tragedy. And, and that's not nearly as bad a life, say, as, um, well, now I'm trying to think of somebody. Um, I mean, Martin Luther King suffered persecution. A lot of great men in the past, in order to accomplish great things, they suffered persecution. You know, well, folks, they go from strength to strength. In your journey to eternity, you're going to be growing stronger and stronger. I think about James chapter 1. James, a servant of Jesus Christ, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Greetings, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Christians, people who live in the house of God, they get stronger with each trial. Think about Paul and what he said. Three times he went to Jesus about his thorn in the flesh, and three times, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. You see, Paul understood something. When he was weak, he was strong. We're going to go from strength to strength, every one of us marching to Zion to to appear before God. And if we live this life, with an understanding of, and having of this, this expectant hope, then even if we live a relatively easy life, we're just going to get stronger as we go. Did call, did God call us to be comfortable? God absolutely did not. And I know that's a rhetorical question, Ben. Um. But yeah, that's a good question. God did not call us to be comfortable. Um, uh, hold on. O Lord of Hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, say The psalmist is asking a direct plea to God. Listen to his prayer. I'm praying for this, invoking God as the God of Jacob, a reference to the God of their ancestors. Well, remember a time. In your life, whenever you're going through trials, that God did something to get you through it, and so say, and so you may. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you this: two thousand eight was a really rough year for us, for our family. You know, it was it was pretty rough. A lot of it was our own doing. I get it, but God helped us through that. So for me, if I'm going through hardships now, I would invoke the God of two thousand eight. <laughs> I know God is the God of 1,408, just like God's the God of 2028 or the God of 2018. But the time where I remember the most where God helped me through something was 2008. So I'm saying, Lord, you've helped me before. I'm calling on you to help me again. That's what the psalmist is doing. Now, behold, O God, our shield and look upon the face of thine anointed. God is called a shield. And the anointed it likely refers to the king or the psalmist himself, asking for God's favor, uh, and this could be appropriated as a messianic psalm. It really could be appropriated as a messianic psalm. Uh, in fact, um, I've got my books now. I just haven't got everything set up. I probably before I did this podcast, I should I was in, I should have been I should have looked at what Tom. Uh, waycaster had to say about this because I bet he'd have some good insight where I kind of feel like I'm falling short. Um, but anyway, just for what we're doing for bringing a, a 21st century application in our lives to this Psalm, if the messianic parts, we can skip over. All right. So listen to this. Behold, O God, God, our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointed, because, in other words, the psalmist wants God's favor because even a little teensy-weensy bit of it is better than all the favor that the men can muster. Think about it. If God could look at you and say, all right, listen. I'm going to give you one one-hundredth of the treasure in heaven, or you can have ten times the money on earth that Jeff Bezos, the owner of Amazon, has. But if you take Jeff Bezos' money, you're not going to get anything in eternity from me You're going to spend an eternity in hell. You'll have a great life on earth, though. One one one-hundredth of the treasure in heaven is better than ten times all the treasures of earth. You see, a, a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God just a servant. I never get in. the, the, The imagery of the doorkeepers, they never get into the house. They're like that sparrow up above in the psalm. They've just made their home next to the altar. They've made their home next to the place where God communes with the people. I'd rather be a doorkeeper that never gets to be in the house in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Oh, a powerful expression of the value of being in God's presence. Presence. The psalmist would rather have a lowly position in the house of God than to be in a place of comfort among the wicked. For the Lord, for the Lord God, is a sun and shield. It, it, that's provision and protection, folks. The sun literally, it's it's thermodynamics. The sun radiates energy that the earth needs to function on like a molecular level. God is the sun and God is the shield. God provides us everything we need and God protects us from that, from, from what we need protected. Yeah. Psalm 27, 2 through 3. I'll go read that in a moment. Um, O Lord of hosts, excuse me, uh, God is described as both the source of light and life and protection. He bestows grace and glory and does not withhold good from those who are righteous. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. So we conclude the psalm with a reiterating blessing of those who put their trust in God. I'm going to go and read something from, uh, from uh, Philippians. And then I want to get Psalm 27, two and three. All right. Y'all remember where I put Philippians? There it is. Check this out. It's one of my favorite verses, Philippians one 20. Paul is in jail. Now he's not in jail. He's not in the maximum security prison that would eventually kill him, but he's in jail. Listen to this. I'm going to read verse 19. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness. With all boldness, as always, so also now, Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I want not, for I am in a a strait betwixt two. Having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Folks, let me tell you, my man Paul, in a prison cell, said, look, I know I'm going to be saved from this prison cell one way or the other. Well, one way was being alleviated from his bonds because the people prayed and he can go be helpful to them. What would be the other? Death. If he died in that prison, he knew that he was going to go be with Jesus. Psalm 84 is a formula for being a very formidable man. Blessed is the man who trusteth in the Lord. Don't you think Paul was blessed? He could say, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, you and I need to walk around with such an expectation and hope that we can look at the people in the world who want to do us harm because we're Christians and say, Swing away. What can you do to me? If you kill me, I'll just go be with Jesus. That's where I want to be anyway, dummies. It's, <laughs> I know it's fallen out of favor to talk about, but uh, that uh, show from Disney a long time ago, I believe Uncle Remus, Thong of the South, the tale of Br'er Rabbit. Don't throw me in the briar patch. Of course, he's a rabbit. He loves being in the briar patch. The briar patch is where he wanted to be. It's protection. All these people out here trying to persecute us, trying to make us feel weird and crazy for being Jesus followers. Okay, so what? You've ostracized us. Well, First 2 Corinthians chapter 6 says, come out from among them anyway. You don't want to be a part of those people. You've seen what makes them cheer. Their booze mean nothing. Go ahead and let them throw you in the briar patch. That's where you want to be anyway. Everything that they can do to you as a Christian is something you already want done. They can ostracize you. So what? You're, You're not supposed to be in fellowship with them anyway. They can hurt you. Now, nobody wants to be hurt, but I mean, there's a little, there's a little hint of me that like, Hey, I, I want to suffer for God. I, am I worthy to suffer for God? And I, I don't mean that you walk up to Rome and slap the emperor. He will kill you. But you understand, I think you understand what I mean by that. And then if they do kill you, you're just going to be with Jesus. Blessed is the man who trusteth in the Lord. All right. I love that Psalm. Now, we need to prioritize. What would you trade in the earth for any of the blessings that we've talked about in Psalm 84? We need to prioritize our walk with God. Tiptoe through the tulips. That's it. Uh, Psalm. What was that Psalm? Twenty-seven. Um. Uh, hold on a second. Uh, yeah, Psalm twenty-seven, two and three. When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat me up, my flesh, or eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me. In this, will I be confident? Exactly. It's exact. Yes, that's all I can say to that. Um, that's exactly the point made. I wanted to make from Proverbs. I mean, Philippians. Think about Paul. They come to him and said, "Hey, you've converted to Christianity out of Judaism. We're going to kill you when you leave the city." So instead of leaving through the gates, he just goes down another way. They lower him down by a basket. Oh, you're preaching now. If you don't stop preaching, we're going to throw you in prison. He converts the jailer. If you don't quit preaching, we're going to stone you. They stone him and leave him for dead. He gets back up and he goes right back to preaching if you don't quit preaching, we're going to throw you in prison and eventually kill you. So he keeps on preaching and they throw him in prison. And before they get a chance to kill him, he writes the lion's share of the new Testament. And then once they finally kill him, he says, I have finished the task. I finished my course. I'm ready to be offered folks. We should all live a life so bold in Christ and we have the tools to do it and God God wants us to do it. We're not called to be comfortable and we're not quite, we're not required to be up martyrs but we are required to make satis, to make um, sacrifice for our faith. Satan is working to make all those worldly things look enticing. Satan, hey Tony, look how much I bless my servants. Those preaching the perverted doctrines of men have all the bounty. Don't you want that for your for this season? No, because we recognize that it it's beyond this life that we will receive a much greater blessing in Christ. And of course, sword and pearl to Ben, uh, Ben Grady's point: if you agree to disavow Jesus, omit oh, mention of repentance and they'll teach you to be a megachurch pastor. Woo, that's tough. Uh, I can't remember where I put it. I've got a little video that I stole of a, of a guy. He's doing the whole trend where you're uh, saying something profound, but it's kind of like, I don't know the word, but so he's eating a sandwich and his chips crunches away. He said, so you know why we have a whole lot of Christians today that that don't live like they're supposed to? It's because we focus so much on passing out resurrections, we didn't require anybody to die first. Now, in the metaphor of conversion, repentance is the death. Repentance is the crucifixion on the cross. You have to die. Then we bury dead bodies. But don't worry, we don't keep you down there you're raised up folks that's a picture of baptism and just like the sword and pearl said you can preach hard against sin you can preach hard against doing what Jesus wants you to do you can preach hard uh, uh, in favor of did I say you could preach hard against doing what Jesus wants you to do I hope I didn't mess that up anyway you can preach hard against sin you can preach hard for, doing exactly what jesus wants you to do and nothing else you can preach hard about having the proper liturgical service which is important but if you never if you never preach repentance if you never follow through if you never hold anybody up to a standard then you'll have a mega church all preaching 100 percent sound doctrine you're just not following through you're not, you're not requiring repentance before you're passing out resurrections. So that's something to think about. Folks, I'm done. I really love the Psalms. I love this Psalm. I um, appreciate all of your good comments. I appreciate uh, the sword and pearl and what she's doing over there on her YouTube channel. Uh, thank you, everybody uh, that commented. And remember... A day? Uh oh. I've lost my my mind. All right. Psalm 84 10. Where's it at? For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. The implication is it's better than a thousand out of thy courts. Folks, that's a thousand to one. A hundred dollars. No, wait, how does that work? Let's say a dollar from God is better than a $1,000 from the world. Think about that. Little, uh, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that soweth unto the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. He that soweth under the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Folks you will always reap more than you sow. If you sow to the Spirit, you're going to reap this abundant life in Christ Jesus that he died to give us. Settle for being a doorkeeper in the house of our Lord. Thank you so much. Uh, I, I do need to end with an ad read. Uh, don't forget Lindsay Fay Dotson, Lindsay Fay Dotson at gmail.com. Are you part of a church congregation that is seeking effective ways to spread the word about your event? Well, look no further. Lindsay Dotson specializes in designing modern advertisements for churches or any institution, uh, for that matter, whether it's flyers, postcards, or social media graphics, Lindsay has got you covered. Reach out through a private message on Facebook. Or the more preferred method, send a message uh, to email at lindsayfaydotson at gmail.com for more details. Don't miss this opportunity to make your message resonate both far and wide. Contact lindsayfaydotson today. Thank you so much. God bless. Uh, Remember to subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn Radio for the archives of this footage. Don't forget to support us financially if you can uh, prove all things. Don't be deceived, Put Jesus first follow him. And thanks Tony. It's a good comment. Uh, very succinct. Um, but don't follow me, follow Jesus. Don't, don't get it twisted. (laughs) Ben didn't. Uh, anyway, um, let me, well, come on, Tony captions. I'm going to put up the tip jar at the very end. If you want to send us a monetary donation, you can do it through uh, PayPal, gmail.com. You can do a $5 a month subscription at Substack, or you can do a $50 a year US dollars, or you can do Patreon. All of that's in the show notes. God bless you. This is Tony Birth Cogitations, and we'll catch you on the flip side.